Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Haggai. Praise God. For the sake of time, I'm going to try to rush through this, but I, there's a word that the Lord has been sharing on me from the prophet Haggai to share with you over these next couple of weeks. We'll be going over it. We're going into the new year. Uh, how many people in here uh, love the Old Testament? Anybody love the Old Testament? Amen. I know a lot of us think it's the Old Testament. It's That's old, so why are we looking at the Old Testament? We need to be in the New Testament. We're under the New Covenant. Well, the New can't survive without the Old. Yeah, the foundation of the New Testament is in the Old Testament, and the whole thing is Jesus. The whole word is Jesus. It, the whole book, the Bible speaks of Jesus, and you can't have the New without the Old. So Haggai chapter 2, and we'll begin to read in the seventh month in the in the one and twentieth day of the month came the word of the Lord to the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Hosedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. Somebody say work. All right. For I am with you, saith the Lord. According to the word that I covenant with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. Amen. Now, I just need to let you know, in verse 5, and it just hit me, he says, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So the same God that had covenant years before, when they first were freed, is the same God that when I promised you, when I freed you, that promise is still standing today. So the same promise that God gave you when you gave your life to Christ is the same promise that he's giving you today. I don't care if you've been serving God for two days or for 20 years. The same God yesterday is the same God today is the same God forever. So our text this morning comes from uh, the book of Haggai written by the prophet Haggai. Amen. And Haggai is talking to a very discouraged nation. Seventy years before, the Jewish nation had been dragged into captivity by their enemies because of some bad choices that they made. Now, I don't know if there's anybody in here, but you can show me by a show of hands. How many people in here have ever made a bad decision? Oh, Lord, have mercy. Uh, yes, yes. And, and we regret the bad decisions that we make. Amen. Some of us can't out, you know, we just can't outrun some of the bad decisions that we made. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, so God had caused the mighty nation of Israel to be captured. All of Judah was into captivity, and Jerusalem was destroyed, and the house of the Lord was taken down. Not one stone was left standing. Now, 70 years later, according to the prophecy of Daniel, you guys know who Daniel is, the guy that was in the lion's den, they returned back home, but their return was bittersweet. They came back home, but they found in their home that all of Judah was still destroyed and the house of God was lying in ruins. So their job coming back home was to rebuild the house of God. Amen. So my title for today's message is this, Moving Forward. Moving Forward. Listen, before they could start rebuilding their own lives, God told them to go rebuild the house of God. He didn't catch that. Before you could start rebuilding your own life, you need to start helping build the house of God. God told them, rebuild my house first so that my house will be a place of spiritual significance, of spiritual influence, and spiritual impact. The house of God was to be a place where people came to experience the presence of God, to undo the heavy burdens, to destroy the yokes off of their lives, and to be set free from all types of bondage and vices of the enemy. God said, listen, build my house first. Because to be honest, if you want your life right, it's not going to take place back at your house. Your life will get right in the house of God. Then you take your change that you got at the house of God back to your house. But when they started working on the house of God, the enemy shows up. Now, the enemy always going to show up and try to stop what's going on. But when the enemy came, he didn't come with a Trojan horse. He didn't come with giants. He didn't come with armies, and he didn't come with armies of giants. He showed up with a very potent weapon that I think all of us know about. That weapon that the enemy showed up with was gossip. How many people know when, when you start doing things for the Lord that the enemy's going to show up and try to stop you from doing what God has called you to do? Try to deter you from the plan and purpose of your life. Listen, I, I know right now there's people in here right now that have looked at you because of your dedication to church, to church. Why are you always in church all the time? Why don't you ever come home and be with the family? Why are you always in? Why, are you, why don't you ever be with? Why, why don't you see? They, they don't realize what they're doing. That's why Jesus, when he's on the cross, you know what he said? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. A lot of us don't do things intentionally. We have the best intentions, but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But so many times, saints, it's the gossip that comes in, and I have to just remind you about gossip. Do you know if you are talking about somebody else to someone else, and that somebody else isn't there, that's gossip. Whether it's talking good or talking bad. But most of the time, it's, you know, I, I wish I had the video to show you. It's like, you know, today, you know, it's, we're having a prayer circle. 
and we're going to pray for sister so-and-so because, you know, sister so-and-so, is uh, she's been spending a lot of money, and she's a bad, she got bad credit. So what we all going to do is get together. We're going to pray in Jesus' name that sister so-and-so gets a better credit score and that she stops sneaking around on her husband because, you know, she's sneaking around on her husband, too. Did you know that? And she's the head of the cleaning ministry. She's the head of the cleaning ministry. You don't know how to clean her own life up. <laughs> so let's pray. Mm, 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 mm. She, her life's in a mess, but at least she's in the house of God. At least she's serving. <laughs> yeah, y'all don't want to hear that. Well, you got to be clean to serve in the house of God. I'm serving in the house of God to get clean. It's called sanctification. <laughs> Working out my own soul salvation. Gossip is terrible. Gossip is, is, is nasty. It, it, whether you think it's constructive uh, or whatever, you know, there's a word in Hebrew. That word is Lashon Ara, which means it means evil tongue. It's a sin. Speaking negatively, negatively about people, even retelling true facts, you guys, it counts as sinful nature. It demeans the dignity of man when you, when you gossip. Proverbs 8 and 18 says this, the words of, a goss, of, a, of gossip are like choice morsels. They go down into a man's innermost parts. Gossip affects the one that's gossiping and the one that's listening. That's why you got to shut down people when they start talking about people. I know you want to hear the juicy news. It, it'd be good stuff sometimes, right? Right? You know how I know people love gossip? Because people have made billions of dollars off of gossip newspapers. And guess what? You guys are on it all the time. And you know what the funny part about it is? You believe it's the truth. Yes. Listen, the purpose of gossip, listen to this very carefully. The purpose of gossip is to create factions. And that word factions rhymes with fractions. Bars. Anyway. And fractions are division. Do you know the fraction? You know a fraction? If you put one-fourth, one-fourth is one-quarter of a whole. So it's a part of the whole thing. I've taken something out of a whole. It's a fraction. And when you do that, it's called division. When you divide something. So gossip is division. In order to make something go from whole, a whole number into a, a fraction, you have to draw a line between it. You guys ever seen a fraction? You draw a line between it, and that line is called gossip. So every time you start doing something for the Lord, somebody wants to start talking about you. Somebody wants to start saying things about you. And all, and all they're trying to do is divide you. And this is even people in church. And they want to stop the plans of God for your life. But, you know, for, for those of you that are doing what God is telling you to do, I heard the prophet Jeremiah say this in verse 29 and 11. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. 
with all your heart, you'll find me. So many of us in here are seeking God, and we're like, but I can't find him. I've tried church. I've tried this. I've tried that. The problem is the reason why you don't find him is because you're giving him a half-hearted look. Some of us know we got kids. We send the kids, look, can you run up to my room and go get my Bible for me, please? It's on my dresser. And they run up there, and this is how they look. Didn't see it. What do you say to them when they come down? You didn't look. That's how we're looking for Christ. We're running into church, and we're just looking around. We're not praising God. We're not uh, worshiping. We're not reading our word. We're not serving. And then we say, I couldn't find him. God said, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. Somebody say all. Oh, yeah, that sounded good. Well, nevertheless, the Israelites gave heed to the chatter of the enemy, and they became discouraged. People were coming to them going, man, why are you building all the house, man? You ain't even got a place to stay. You don't even own your house. You're living with somebody else. And you're working on the house of God all night. You need to go home and take care of your family. The house of God can wait. So they stopped building God's house, and they began to build their own lives. And a lot of us in here are sitting there, and we're saying, well, that, that's true. You know, family first. Family is first. But let me remind you something that Jesus was doing. Jesus was busy doing ministry, and as he was working and doing ministry, somebody ran up to him and said, hey, Jesus, your mother and your sisters and brothers are out there looking for you. Jesus turns and looks at them and says, who is my mother? Who is my brother? They that do the will and work of the Lord. So if we're talking about family first, your family should be, the first family you should be taking care of is they that do the will and the work of the Lord. Get mad at me if you want. I'm just repeating the word of God. It's a hard saying, but it's the truth. So during their discouragement, when they stopped building the house of God and began to build their own lives, God raised up a prophet named Haggai to come and speak to the children of Israel. And he said this to him in Haggai chapter 2, verse 6. He said, consider your ways. Think about what you're doing. He said this, you have so much and you bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink and you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but you're not warm." And he that earneth wages earns them to put them in bags with holes. You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, when you finally had something, I blew on it. There's a difference between God blowing on something and God breathing on something. When God breathes on something, it comes to life. When God blows on something, it gets destroyed. Verse 14 says this, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. They came. They said, you know what? My family, my life will, will, will be put on hold. Because I believe that the word of God says, if any man shall come after me, they must first, the first thing you have to do to follow Christ is deny yourself. 
Not a, not a popular message. Not a popular message. You guys want me to switch up and start talking about you blessed in the city? You blessed in the field? No, deny yourself. The whole point of being blessed, of being blessed is to be a blessing. God doesn't bless you for you. He blesses you for his people. You must first understand that God requires all. Somebody say all. Oh, I didn't hear. Somebody say all. There we go. I need you to understand that. It's not about some. It's not about a part. God doesn't want half. He doesn't, he, when it comes to God, he wants everything. He wants it all. Why? Because he gave it all. He gave up his life. He gave up the throne to come down here to walk among man in the, in, in the fact of sin and his people and his own creation. He gave it all up. When he hung on the cross, listen to me very carefully. He didn't just bleed out a little bit. There was no blood left in him. He gave it all. It only takes one drop of the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins. But he lavished. He gave out all his love. He poured everything out. He gave all. So he demands all from us. And God says, I want it all. He said, I want you sold out for me. He said, look, you must love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. He doesn't just want your heart. He wants your mind too. He doesn't just want your emotions. He wants your strength. We, we learned last week, it's funny because, you know, some of us want change, but we don't want to give everything to make the change. We will do the, the least, about, least amount of thing we can do to try to get change. It, it, it's funny. So the doctor says, you need to change your diet. You just want to stop drinking sodas. Well, you know, I've been doing pretty good. I stopped drinking sodas with my, with my Big Mac and... Uh, yeah, so yeah, when I go to McDonald's, I don't order sodas no more. It's like, come on, man. You're not going to get change unless you go the whole way. Are you guys getting this? You're calling me and saying, Pastor, I need this, this, I want this, that. You ain't doing what you need to do to get change. Listen, we learned last week, in order for us to experience some change, our quality of life has to change. Most of us won't change until we get a diagnosis of death. You sit down, you go to the doctor, you're feeling all good. You, man, I've been working out, I'm good. And the doctor's like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm looking here and your blood sugar is a, is, is, is a 141. You're, you have diabetes. What? I better stop eating candy bars. But you wouldn't have stopped eating candy bars until you got that diagnosis. Oh, I got high blood pressure? I better start exercising. Your quality of life now changes. Then that promotes you to want to change. Oh. We also learned that we have to be stirred up on the inside. Some of us will get that diagnosis of death, but we will just kind of ignore it because it's like, well, you know, I, I don't believe everything the doctor says. Those tests, you know, those tests, they can go either way. You know, I read on some gossip column that. But we have to be stirred up on the inside. Listen, just because you know something doesn't mean you're going to do something. The prophet G.I. Joe said this. Now, you know. 
and knowing's half the battle. You, you got to be stirred up on the inside. Watch this. You get the diagnosis of death. It spawns you to want to change, right? It, right? You know what stirs you up on the inside? I don't want to die. So something stirs you up on the inside, and you start making a change. Then third, we said that we have to change our priorities. We have to change our priorities. I know, I know this from my wife, and I remember when my wife started on the journey of health that, and I'm just going to be honest, I'm going to put her business out there. She's going to be mad. But there was a time a priority for my wife was to eat and sleep. Yeah, see, yeah, everybody's like, oh, glory, it sounds like Jesus to me. He did say, rest, come to me and I'll give you a rest. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> he said, unless you eat of the bread and drink. And so it's all Jesus. No, listen, those were her priorities. But there was something that spawned her to want to have a change. Not only that, the, the, with the change, the core quality of life, she also told herself inside, something stirred her up where she said, I want this change and I'm going to make the change. So she changed her priorities. She started getting up super early in the morning, going to the gym, prepping, meal prepping and, and, and everything else because she wanted the change. She changed her priorities. She didn't get more time to do it. She just changed what was important to her. And we could tell what's important to her by what was her priority in life. Wives, don't say your husband's your priority unless he is first. Oh, yeah, my husband's my priority, but you know, me and the girls got to hang out. Sorry, husband. No. Same thing with you husbands. Don't be saying that, that your wife's a priority while you're sitting there going, Yeah, yeah, I'll be there in a second, hon. Hold on. I hear too many laughs. I hear way too many laughs. As we find in today's scripture, we see that the people of God began to work, but they became discouraged again. And in verse 3, God had to ask them, who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? Who of you before have seen the glory of God? You guys remember? Who you here? God, what he was doing, he was drawing their attention to one of the roadblocks that cripple all of us as Christians, and it keeps us from moving forward. This is, this, listen, he was saying, why do you keep remembering about what it was? We don't realize that so many of us keep living in the past. Do you guys realize that there's a reason why your windshield is this big and the rearview mirror is this big? There's a reason. <laughs> That's why you can't drive looking in the rearview mirror. If you keep going forward, okay, usually you get in your car because you got somewhere to go, right? And, you, and wherever you're going is in front of you. You don't drive to where you're going driving backwards. So you're driving forward. But if you keep looking in the rearview mirror at the things that you've passed, you're not going to get to your destination. And matter of fact, you're going to wreck. Some of y'all was so busy looking at your past that you wrecked your own life because you're not looking at that which is in front of you. You wrecked your life. You aren't even going to get to your destination. Trying to blame your GPS. God doesn't want you to keep looking back. 
See, do you guys realize that your rearview mirror is just a reflection of what's behind you? See, there's nothing wrong with reflecting on the past, but it's supposed to be a quick glimpse. Okay. Oh, yeah, I used to be thin. I remember when I had hair. Let me adjust that rear view real quick. You guys know that even in reflection, you can only see so far. You guys, you guys, you're so busy trying to look back so far. You're looking in the reflection of something that you passed 20 miles ago. It's too far gone for you even to reflect on. Leave it alone. It's gone. It's past you. There's way too many great things in front of you for you to be staring at a reflection of something you can never go back to. When we allow what happened to us in our past to impair our ability to enjoy the present, we can't prepare for the future. So many of us are too busy thinking about the past, we're not even enjoying where we're at today. And if you can't enjoy where you're at today, you're not going to enjoy or prepare for the future. There's too many of us, I can't stand it right now where I'm at. I can't do I can't wait for tomorrow. Well, you know you're going to feel the same way tomorrow. Because you didn't prepare for it. You got to prepare for the next day. You got to set up your victory. It doesn't happen by accident. It's got to be intentional. You don't, you don't just get in a car. That's why people are wrecking in those Teslas now. They want to get to a place and just set cruise control. Self-driving. I'm on a self-driving car. I'm going to put it in and go to sleep. That ain't life. And by the way, if you drive a Tesla, that's not how they work. <laughs> Praise God. There are many people in here that have been hurt by other pastors, other ministries. So you want to do away with all pastors and ministries. You might be here today just because of the child dedication. I'm, look, I'm just coming because you know how I feel about church. I'm going to let you guys on a secret. Can I let you in on a secret? I've been hurt by church people as a pastor. I didn't give up on y'all. My wife has hurt me bad, and I've hurt her. She didn't give up on me. The cold part about it is when it comes to church, if a pastor says something or does something that offends you, you're ready to run out on all churches altogether. But you'll go to Walmart and get bad service. can't believe how you treated me. I just asked, you walk by me, I've been standing in this aisle for 15 minutes, and I've seen four or five employees walk by me, they didn't even pay attention to me. They know I was waiting on something, nobody asked me, could they help me? You let me, and then guess what? You get mad, you get the stuff you want, you buy it, you walk out, and you're there the next day in your pajamas. It's the Walmart church, come as you are. You know there's counterfeit stuff out there? There's some counterfeits out there. Counterfeit money. 
counterfeit 20s. You guys ever go, okay, just, just some of you. I mean, it hasn't happened to everybody. But, you know, you're carrying around big bills. You're feeling good about yourself because you got a pocket full of big bills. And you go, I'm going to pay cash for this today. And as soon as you go up, you walk down, slap down 100. What's the first thing the cashier does? They hold it up to the light. And this is the cold part. They hold up to the light, and then they look at you. Hmm. And then they put it away slow. It's counterfeit. They, they, they're checking to see if it's counterfeit. And just because, you know, they give you that hassle doesn't make you not want to spend the hundreds in the 20s. You still, like, like, you know that they're out there. You know counterfeit hundreds and 20s and 50s are out there. But that doesn't stop you from wanting the hundreds, the 20s and 50s. Right? If I put, reached in my pocket and had a $100 bill right now, I said, the first person that comes up here and gets it, you run up here and get it, right? You run up. Don't, nope, nope, that ain't going to happen today, Keiko. <laughs> Y'all don't know Keiko. Keiko in the future. I've done that in the past. I, it's been a long month. It's Christmas. I ain't got that kind of money right now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, I got to try to do things. You know what I'm saying? The way my bank account's set up. You would, you would run up here and grab the, the money, Right? You wouldn't go, well, it could be counterfeit. I don't want it. You're going to come get it, and you're going to go try to spend it. But we don't have that same attitude when it comes to the house of God. I've been hurt by a pastor, so I never want to see any other pastors again. People have been hurt. Men have been hurt by women. Women have been hurt by men, one man or two men. Well, it doesn't matter. They've been hurt. But that doesn't mean you give up on men. You start finding other men to date or finding other women to date. But it comes to church, you don't do that. It's crazy and foolish not to take the money. It's just crazy. Let me help you guys out just real quick. You want to find out if the man or woman you're with is real? Do like people do with the counterfeit hundreds. Hold them up to the light. As you're holding them up, you hold them up to me to look at them like, hmm. Jesus is the light of the world. The Bible says, test every spirit that comes to you, because every spirit that comes to you, test the spirit by the spirit. And what is the spirit? Jesus Christ. He's the light of the world. You hold him up to the light. You'll find out just because they speak in the word don't mean that the word is actually in them, and they are in the word. You know, the Bible says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. A lot of people know the word of God, but they use it. The devil knows the word of God. And some of us are messing around with a bunch of devils. We're linked up with them. Quote scripture all day, talking about they say. Better be careful. There's too many of us in here that are stuck on that one counterfeit that we ran into, and we are emotionally, physically, and spiritually stuck and shut down. Somebody say, get over it. Thank you. I'm trying to get over it. Too many people living in the past. They're just dwelling on everything that happened in the past. You, you know, I got to, do you guys realize that there's a difference? Some people dwell on the past so much and not just bad things, just like good things. And they always want to relive what happened 50 years ago. All right. I got this guy, this guy I grew up with. Okay. I know him since I was little. Every time I see this dude, I, this is no joke. I just seen him recently. And sure enough, the first thing he said to me, Hey, Butch, what's up, man? How's it going? Man, you remember back in 79, we was the, the, the peewee champions of, of, of power football? You remember that? I'm like, bruh, 
is there anything else in your life that has happened that you could celebrate? We're talking 40 years ago. And it's like clockwork. You can't live in the past. And the funny thing about it is he is stuck in that past. He has not moved forward. Because he, he greeted me with this whole what happened in 79, and the next thing is was a sob story about how his life is ruined. I was like, because you're still in 79, man. It's, nine, it's 2020 uh, 20 almost. Like, is it? <laughs> On the flip side of all this, we have enjoyed and experienced in our lives so much that we want to hold on to them longer than we should. So God was saying to the children of Israel, do you remember the old temple and all of its glory? God wanted to bring their attention to show them in order to have change in your life, you can't continue to relive the past. You know, the funny part is when we do relive our past, our memories are selective. We'll either remember what is really good or what is really bad. I meet people probably almost every day that come to me with their problems, and they just, nothing in their life is right. They're just looking at me. And I look at them, and, you know, before, maybe maybe when I was a pastor at year five, I'd, I'd, I'd get with them emotionally, and, yeah, oh, praise God. Let me just pray for you, brother. God bless you. Let's just pray, God. But then now I've gotten to this point as a pastor of maturity in my life that I hear people complaining so much that I get, I get a, a bad taste in my mouth because I look at them and say, has God done anything good for you. We get so caught up in remembering and living, oh, this is what happened to me when I was 13 and, and I was moved from home to home and my parents just, this, this, and, and that is a sad story. Don't get me wrong. I'm not belittling your experience, but I'm looking at a person that is, is 50 or 40 or 30 years old and they're telling me about stuff that's happened to them 12. And, but I'm like, but you made it. Can we celebrate God that you're still alive, that you're still here to be a testimony of how God got you through some terrible times, that what the enemy meant for your destruction, God's going to turn it around for your good, but to his glory. The children of Israel... When they were led out of Egypt after 400 years, watch this, 400 years in bondage. You, 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 you had like, what, great-grandpa times three was a slave. You were brought up slave. We all just slaves. That's all we remember is slavery. It got to the point that they couldn't even talk about how God was with them earlier and, and everything. They just remember being slaves. They've stuck in a slave mentality, 400 years of slavery, and they hated it. They wanted to get out. And, and then our, our, uh, uh, Pharaoh took the straw from them, so now it made it harder for them to make bricks. And, and they're just in this slave mentality. And then God had given them a promise and said, listen, I see you, my people. I feel for you. I've heard your cry, and I'm sending you a deliverer. He's going to deliver you out of the hand of, of, of uh, uh, Pharaoh, and we're going to deliver you. And guess what? Not only 
only am I going to deliver you, I'm going to bring you into the promised land, the land of milk and honey. Then when they get, they get delivered, they seen the move of God, they seen the plagues hit, then the blood of the lamb protected them from death, and then they escaped across the Red Sea, and they parted the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry land. They literally witnessed God in action. They get to the other side, and I don't think it was three weeks later, they start complaining about the food. And their complaint was, why did you bring us out here? Because I remember back in that day, back when we were in Egypt, back when we were slaves. See, they didn't mention the fact that they were slaves. They just remembered about what they had to eat. Oh, we had garlic. We had leeks. We had Lowry seasoning salt on our food. And, and, and we got to do all this. And there, there was mofongo and pasteles and carne frita. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Let me swallow a couple times. Oh, okay. They forgot that they were slaves. They began to long for when they were in bondage. Some of us in here are like that. Yeah, you remember those old days. You remember when you were able to run and jump and do all those things. You remember when you were out there and you were partying. And you remember when you was with all those girls. You remember when you was all those guys. And you begin to sit back and think, man, I wish those days were back. But you don't realize that you were still a slave. As a side note, it's funny how God will deliver you and tell you what he's promised you, but he never tells you the process. Because if God shows you the process, you won't want what God has for you. God says, I'm listen. He said, this is what I got for you. He says, you are going to be a, a great business owner. You're going to be blessed. You're going you're gonna to be able to fund things at the church. You're going to be able to help people out in the community. You're going to have all this. I'm going to turn your, 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 your poor, your broke. Now you don't own anything, but you're going to own a lot of things. God shows you everything in its glory, and you're like, hallelujah. You celebrate God because you're going to take me to the land of milk and honey, and I'm going to be a blessing, God. But see, what God didn't show you in the process, that you're going to lose friends. He didn't show you that, that you're going to get sick in the process. He didn't show you that while you were moving in that direction that people were going to stab you in the back. He didn't show you that you're going to lose everything. You're going to lose your house. You're going to lose your car. You're going to lose everything that you ever thought you were ever going to get. God didn't show you all that because he knows that you can't stomach it because if he told you to begin with, you would say, you know what, God, I'm just satisfied right here. God was telling Zerubbabel and the children of Israel, stop looking at the old and start looking at the new. And I would get upset if my wife would keep looking at me and comparing me to some of her exes. And I say that even if she didn't speak it. I'd say it. I'm saying that because if she did it in her heart. You ain't got to speak it. You sit down and go, my last girlfriend. You can be widowed. Your per the last person you was with is dead. You got somebody new in front of you. Don't you dare compare them with somebody else. Listen, y'all here, and I'm your pastor. Don't compare me to your last pastor. And I promise I won't compare you to the last bad person I've ever the last goat that was here. No. <laughs> you know, it's funny because the last temple was so great. 
This is what God was saying to the children. If it was so great, if the last temple that you had was so great, then tell me, why did you turn from me? If it was so glorious, then why did you leave me? Why did you be disobedient? When the children of Israel's spiritual commitment began to fade, the house of the Lord laid unfinished and began to deteriorate. Listen, I can tell how much somebody cares for something by the way they take care of it. As I bring this to a close, what we take care of, we literally care for. You can't tell me you care for something if you ain't putting time and it's not a priority in your life. Don't tell me that. I, 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 if a husband says, man, I, I care for my wife, if he, ain't, if he ain't dating her, if he ain't meeting her emotional needs, if, if he's not making sure that she has what she needs to have to flourish, he don't care about her. I can say that to, for, for the wives, too. If a wife isn't making her, her husband feel secure, if she's not tearing him down, but she's building him up, if, if, if she's giving him everything that he needs to, to pertaining to life and godliness, I need to say it that way. Listen, listen, she don't care about him. Let's just be honest, saints. We're living in a day and age where everything is vague. We want to, everything is gray. You know, I just like gray, you know. I don't feel bad. I don't feel good. I'm just there, you know. I'm all right. I'm not male, I'm not female, I'm just, I'm human, you know, don't like to be, use those pronouns to describe me. We want everything gray. I'm not, I'm not, God, God says, look, because you're not hot nor cold, I spewed you out of my mouth. You make, see, people in the gray make God sick. I'm going to tell you like it is doesn't mean I don't love you. The reason why I'm telling you like it is because I do love you. You guys realize that the, the letters in the, in the Bible are black and the pages are white. There is no gray words. It's either or. So I'm going to give you the truth. What we take care of, we will care for it. We, it'll be a priority to us. What we care for never will ne lack anything. If, if, if my wife lacks something, it's because it's something I can't give her. My wife lacks a Range Rover. God is good, I'm just saying. Got to start playing the lottery or something. It's a process. Yes, it's a process, babe. It's a process. Listen, what we care for gets the most attention. Can I say amen? Come on. We care for our kids. We give our kids a lot of attention. There is a direct correlation between how we take care of the house of God and our spiritual life. You know, I know where people are at spiritually just by how much they serve, how much they attend, and how much they give to the church, whether it be this church or any other church. That's why when people, when you guys come to me that are single, the singles that come to me and they're like, hey, pastor, I want you to meet my boyfriend. I want you to meet my girlfriend. I go, okay. So I'll meet her or him like, hey, how you doing? Where do you go to church? It's the first thing I ask them. Where do you go to church? Before I even ask them if they got a job. 
Where you go to church? Oh, I go to, you know, I go to this church, the church on the hill where Calvary's cross and blah, blah. Oh, okay. I know that pastor. What's your pastor's name? If they start stuttering, I'll turn and look at the people of my church and be like, nope. Because if he knows his pastor, then we're, it's getting good. Now, now we're getting good. Oh, okay. So, you, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I do know your pastor. What, what, what ministries you serve in? Oh, yeah, I'm part of the youth ministry there. I, I'm, I'm in the cleaning ministry. Yeah, oh, okay, good, 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 good. Um, so what are you doing here? Did you tell your pastor that you were going to be here today? Is it Sunday? Oh, yeah, 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 it was my Sunday off. See, they start talking like that. I know that they care about the house of God. And if they care about the house of God, I know that they care about the Lord. And if they're going to care about the Lord, they're going to care about the person they're with. You see... Don't you think you're going to change somebody and bring them into salvation? Don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. I don't want y'all sitting in front of Carlos and Margo 10 years from now talking about, oh, happened. He used to, he told me he loved Jesus. And they're sitting there looking at you like, well, when you came to premarital counseling, we tried to tell you then. No. Run. Now. Run. Because he doesn't care for the house of the Lord. Why? Because he doesn't serve. He doesn't give. Just to let you know, too, I'll call your pastor. I'll call your pastor. Check on. They call me, too. Check on y'all. Amen. When we get excited about the things of God, we begin to take care of what's his. We take care of what's God's before we take care of anything else. Saints of God, I, I'm, not, I'm not bragging, but I want to tell you something. I forsook my own house, my own wealth, my own dreams. I forsook everything to do what God had called me to do. And I lost everything. I even lost relationships. In times it got really hard for my wife and I and my family. Because we cared for the house of God. I was showing up to people's house in here. They didn't know it. I would, we were hungry. We didn't have no food to eat. And I wasn't going to go to the church. It might be pride, but I said, you know what? If God's bringing us through it, we got the family of God that we can depend upon. So we would show up to the house. We'd use wisdom. We'd use wisdom because we'd show up right around dinner time. Show up and be like, hey, how y'all doing? We just want to come back. Oh, I'm sorry. You guys eating? S smells good. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, come on, you want something to eat? No, I don't want it. No, sure, you can go. Okay, come on there. Hey, Kai, get the kids. Come on. They come in, and we're going to eat. Y'all laughing. This is a true story. Because we cared for the things of God. We knew that God, this is before the church looked like this. We didn't start with the church like this. We started with a handful of people. And at a handful of people, God told me, quit your job. I'm like, how can I take care of the house of God with no money? He said, I don't need your money. I need you. I want all of you. I want your, your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. God has called the Building Christian Fellowship to move forward. 
into building this house of God. We are living in the vision right now of what God has called us for. And I need to let you know, as I said earlier, the vision is not building a bigger sanctuary. It's not having a, a bigger campus. The vision is that we are large enough to make a huge impact on Susun City so that we make a big imprint. Listen, I can't wait till this is done. I've been a general contractor for the last 15 months. I am sore, I am hurting, and I can't wait to get back to doing what God has called me to do. And that is pure ministry, to minister to the brokenhearted, to minister to those that are lost and blind, that I can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, to tell those people about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that no matter where you're at, that God loves you you. That's what we're going to do. It's not about packing out, making a large church. It's about making a big footprint. God has called us to move forward, that the Building Christian Fellowship will be a place of spiritual prominence, that people will know about the Building Christian Fellowship. Listen, right now, the same way that lady came here, it's the prominence of the church that has gotten us where we're at, that we can go out. People know about us, that we go out and we serve the community. Whether they get saved or not, they know about the Building Christian Fellowship. That this, this church will be a spiritual influence, that we will be able to, people will come in and be influenced by the move of God here in the house of God. Listen, let me tell you what's happening here. We are such a spiritual influence on our government that the, 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 they call me, a, I used to run from the police. But then they moved me to a place of spiritual influence to start hiring police chiefs. I sat on the board. I'm sitting there like, God, what am I doing here? God says, you have influence. You have favor with the government because you are following my word, because you've given me your all. I have placed you in a position of favor so that you can have influence over the city. That's happening here. It's the influence that causes the, the police officers and the, um, and, the, and the fire department to come talk to Pastor John, come and talk to people at the church when they need something, when they're brokenhearted about the situation with their work, when they're frustrated. They don't go out to the bars and drink. They come to Pastor John, and they want to share and get prayed for. Spiritual influence and spiritual impact. We want to make an impact on this community that if we left here, this community would hurt. If you're a church or if you, if you do anything in a community and you left and they didn't know it, you never made an impact on it. But if you make an impact on a community and you make mention, hey, we might, we're going to have to leave leave here, the community will come up and speak on your behalf and say, we cannot do without that church. I don't care who you are. If you're Muslim or if you're, you're Sikh, if you're an agnostic, you're going to know that the Building Christian Fellowship is a spiritual uh, uh, powerhouse right here in this, 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 this community. And people are going to say, don't let that church leave. No, no, we want them here. Matter of fact, we, what we need to do is raise money, the community, so that they can buy that building and they'll be able to do more ministry and help out the community and make a bigger footprint here in Susun City. God is calling the Building Christian Fellowship to move forward, to forget about those things which are behind us and press forward to the higher calling of Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. 
but we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.